Hello and welcome to this podcast here on Guthrie News Page. Chris Evans with you here with two of my good buddies, Phil Nichols and Seth Robbins, as they are beginning a new venture. We want to visit with them today about that. And uh, first off, guys, appreciate you stopping by and visiting. Absolutely. Thanks for having us, Chris. Appreciate you, bud. So uh, the new adventure is eSchool, uh, an online school uh, option. And uh, this is something that we're, we're hearing more and more in the media and all that good stuff. But uh, uh, talk a little bit what exactly e-online school is. Well, Chris, virtual school um, is basically nothing different than public school except the education is delivered virtually online. Um, and it's done on the individual student's time schedule and in the environment of their choosing. Um, it's a rapidly growing method of education in the country. Uh, I can speak for Oklahoma. There's just a hair over 22,000 students in Oklahoma getting their daily public school delivered to them online. Um, you have a curriculum vendor who provides the students uh, with their core curriculum and their electives. And those lessons are delivered um, in a prepackaged video format uh, with all of the same things you'd get in traditional ed, you know, practice tests, note taking, all the, all the normal things that you would expect in traditional ed. And then you are provided an Oklahoma certified teacher that comes alongside the parent or the guardian and the student and monitors their progress within that curriculum, but is also there to help tutor them if they hit a rough patch. And so when we hear charter school, there's, there's two type of charters online and there's still brick and mortar. So there, there are two separate type of charter schools are mistakenly thought of as private school. Many times in, in just the general population they you hear charter school you think private school a charter school is not a private school a charter school is a public school and there are traditional setting charter schools such as like say harding um or um i think there's one john ross or uh, yeah. there's there's multiple actually many more physically present charter schools or brick and mortar charter schools across the state than there are virtuals but by their nature, charter schools are public schools, and in this instance, eSchool is a virtual charter school, 100% virtual. We don't have a blended model. We're not going to have a physical location uh, where kids will be interfacing with their teacher, per se. Um, it's 100% virtual. And so you have, like, of course, you have public education, you have private school, mm -hmm. you have e-online school, and you have charter school. And then there's also the homeschool. Uh, that those are primarily your options. Yeah, and I think you know one thing that when we started exploring the possibilities of of going down this path with the virtual uh, public school, you know, we obviously talked about where do we think are our potential um, students where we could help, and the homeschool population is is really the focus of ours. You know, the there's a large percentage of kids every year more and more are going to that model of learning. Um, we think the fact that we're in a fully accredited, free public school um, with the same requirements, the same everything that a, that a traditional brick and mortar school, public school has, um, we think that bringing alongside those certified teachers to assist the parent in the learning process with their student, 
and and then their schedule and their timeline, you know, uh, is going to be really beneficial. One of the big advantages is in today's world, more and more people uh, want the flexibility um, that this type of model offers. You know, we we talk all the time, Chris. Our model may not be for everybody, but it def- there's definitely a place out there for people. And, and you said flexibility, but I, the way I look at it, it gives. There's more options out there. Yeah. People love options. Sure. And, and for whatever reason, it might be uh, for better, one, more one-on-one attention. Right. It might be uh, something that's uh, a kid might be scared at school or something. There's so many, so many options out there. Well, there are several reasons why a family would choose virtual education, um, and you hit on a few of them. Um, as we know, that's in our face every day in the news media is the problem of bullying. Mm-hmm. Now, whether wherever you come down on that, we know that it is a hot topic in the world today. And so you have kids that because, like you said, they're, they're scared to attend brick-and-mortar school, traditional ed, that they may choose virtual education that way to um, control their environment. Um, you may have kids that are an elite performer, whether that be athletics, whether that be fine arts, whether that be rodeo, several several reasons why within athletics and performing arts why a kid would want to go to school virtually, of course, to control their time. Maybe they want to be done with their um, lessons by noon so they can spend the afternoon on the golf course or in the wrestling room or on horseback. Then there are kids who unfortunately have to help support their family financially and they can't be constrained by the 7:30 to 3:30 schedule of regular ed um, there's also um, people might want to do virtual school because they have a learning difficulty as you well know um, and this hits close to home for me there are more and more and more the statistics are coming in I think the last statistic I heard was one in 36 kids that are going to be born in 2019 will be on the autism spectrum in some way, shape, or form. And a lot of times those kids absolutely cannot survive in the traditional educational setting. It's not the teacher's fault. It's not the administrator's fault. It's not the family's fault. It's just the way things are today. If you have a classroom size of 35 to 40 kids, a lot of those children that are on the autism spectrum, especially the ones that are more challenged socially, cannot survive in the traditional ed setting. And so this is a perfect model for them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's just one of the options that, that it's out there. Now, and we'll get into some other things here, but if, I, if I'm an e-student, online student, do I have to be in front of the computer, in front of a book for three or four or six or eight or ten hours do I just need to do what I need to do and pass a test? How's that? How's that work? At school, you know, there's absences, there's tardies, right. Right. there's all this other stuff. So the way, if if you were a virtual student, okay, and this was your day, this you know Wednesday, April twenty fourth, was your day at school. You each course that you're enrolled in has a pacing chart built into it that you, your parent. Or guardian and your educator have designed that's appropriate for your level of learning. That pacing chart will tell you that on April 24th in biology one, 
you're supposed to complete module 31. And that teacher, it's their responsibility to make sure that on or about April 24th, little Chris Evans completed module 31 in his biology. So if you're able to stay with your pacing and not get behind your pacing, if it takes you 90 minutes to complete your modules and display mastery of it, then that would be your educational day. If it takes you nine hours, it takes you nine hours. Um, the national average for a virtual student, they spend around four hours, 15, four hours and a half each day of being instructed. And if you look at a traditional educational setting, I bet you the time of instruction is real similar. Okay, when you talk about instruction, talk about how how a teacher can can interact with students. Well, there's a variety of ways. A lot of that's really driven by the the teacher and that parent and their interaction. It could look different for each kid. Um, you know, it could be as Seth said, 100% in front of a screen. You know, through Skype or Zoom or FaceTime, and there's there's all Google kinds Hangouts. of Google Hangouts. Um, or it could be meeting at the public library. There is teachers out there that like to have face-to-face time, and there's there that that part of the education system is regulated currently to where I believe it's nine hours. Is that correct, Seth? Um, I believe nine hours in a given week. In a given week, I, I, there that statute is in flux right now. Right. So we may be quoting what the statewide virtual charter school board is proposing, right. but. Um, there is a, a fixed amount of time that the physical educator and the actual student can interact on a weekly basis, whether that's in person or over a secure connection. Which there's a, there's a Seth alluded to. There is a push um, at the Capitol by, by several representatives to change that because they don't really understand the logic. The end goal is to give a, a young person the best education they could possibly get we should allow that to happen. So, but saying all that, there is a set time that teachers can interface face to, can interact face to face with their students as well. So, it, it really what, what what works best for that individual student. And I can say firsthand, since my wife is a, a virtual teacher, that each student it looks a little different. Right, absolutely. You know, and that, and that, to be quite honest, that's one of the cool things about this model. You know, with the large class sizes right now, and it's nobody's fault. Like Seth said, it is what it is. Um, but there's a lot of kids that get lost because of large class sizes. And I was going to bring that up because I, I remember, in, like, you know, I went to, obviously public school, got through high school. I remember an algebra class. Class of 96. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I remember it, it wasn't just me. It was everybody. But you, you're almost when you're going through an equa- equation that you don't understand. You're almost, like, afraid to raise your hand. Oh. Because you're going to put everyone else behind, or you're going to get a dirty look, and then you're you're just looking. You're not worried about. Some people are, but I'm in my head. I, sure, I'm in sure. Case I, I really don't understand, but he's making straight A's. He doesn't care. He's sleeping. So, <laughs> uh, do I ask the? You know what? I'll figure it out. You bring up an excellent point, and this is another way that our traditional model educators are kind of constrained by the class size, by the metrics that they have to hit. If you have 30 kids in, as you alluded to, Algebra 1, 
And in that classroom, you've got six kids that are of elite level ability mathematically. And you have 18 kids that are within the average as far as their ability in Algebra 1. And then you have six kids that, for whatever the reason, are fairly deficient in Algebra 1. If you're the educator in that class, you have to pace that class based on those six that are struggling. Mm-hmm. And again, as a teacher, you can't, you can't leave them behind. Right. And things have changed. We're not isolating our gifted and talented and isolating our kids that are deficient in a certain subject. We're just kind of pushing them all together and hoping for the best. And this model allows the flexibility to speed up or slow down the curriculum on a day, day to day. And that's for algebra one or calculus. You might have a group of 32 ACT people in the same class, but they might not get that level type of level of of information. Right, right. The curriculum that we will use at eSchool has the ability to be, and, and understand when I say sped up or slowed down, they can advance at their own rate. They can crawl at their own rate if needs be. The curriculum can be altered day to day in real time by their educator. There are additional modules that can be put in. And until you've displayed mastery, you don't move forward. Mm -hmm. You absolutely don't move forward. And like you said, in traditional ed, you may not have mastered something, but the rest of the class needs to move on. And so you're moving on. And I know for myself, I don't know how I would have fit in this model at 15, 16, 17 years old. But I know now at 41 years old, when I'm learning a new concept, Let's say I'm, I'm in my insurance business. I'm trying to learn a new concept. If there's a webinar that I'm watching, the ability to back it up, hear it again, back it up, hear it again, back it up, hear it again is so cool. You don't have that raise your hand moment and expose yourself that, hey, I don't understand what's going on here. I can watch that lesson as many times as I need to until I feel comfortable with it and I move on. And that's what makes this model so exciting to me especially if I'm looking at it through the lens of an educator is that I can finally give each individual student an appropriate level of challenge for that student. And I'm not trying to take 30 different kids and fit them into one peg into one. I'm not, I'm not trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. Okay. We've, we've talked a lot about about students. Let's talk about teachers at my house. I have a, Eighth grader, I have a fourth grader. Let's say I have a kindergarten. Can I have the same teacher, or how does that work? Yeah, absolutely. It, it really comes down to a conversation between, again, that parent um, and that educator. Um, you know, we know teachers that are in the virtual model. There might be five kids in a family, and that teacher might fit with four of the kids, but there may be a, a learning need that's better suited with another teacher for another one of their kiddos. And that can absolutely happen, or you could do all five of the kids in that example, or you could do one of them. It really comes down to the conversation um, between the parent and the educator. Well, in conversations that I've had with with teachers who have um, are exploring making the switch from traditional ed to the virtual channel, the first thing they ask is, "Is okay? I'm a I'm a high school certified math teacher." 
how can you ask me to teach K through 12? What people have to understand, whether you're talking about the parents, the students, or the teachers, the teachers aren't providing the daily lesson. So we're not asking the curriculum. A, the, yeah, right. the curriculum. We're not asking a high school math teacher to come up with a fourth grade reading lesson. Those lessons are are pre-recorded, tested, reviewed by the state of Oklahoma to be appropriate and to meet our standards, and they're delivered already taught. Okay? So if you're that high school math teacher who's scared to teach fourth grade reading, you're not teaching fourth grade reading. You are making sure that fourth grader is doing that reading lesson, is displaying mastery in that. And then, yes, if that fourth grader struggles, then you come alongside and provide them with the resources to stop struggling. That's why, that's how a teacher can teach K through 12 is because they're not doing 36 lesson plans for 13 different grades. And, and there may be a situation, especially maybe an advanced class, let's say a calculus. Um, and if that teacher, you can bring other resources in to assist that teacher. With well, that and student. they can collaborate with Absolutely. other teachers within our school. Absolutely. And so it's, you know, it, the, the thing that I'm really attracted, of course, all of our kids, as you guys know, all public school kids, proud Blue Jays, very, very proud of, to be part of the Guthrie public school system. Um, we get asked the question all the time about um, CES kids. And, and, you right. know, are your kids going to, yeah. are your kids going to stay in the system that they're in or are they going to go to e-school? And my answer is I have a junior at Guthrie high school right now. I'm going to have a senior at Guthrie high school next year. Did his and his younger brother's unique abilities and unique challenges inform my decision to, to found this school with Phil and Jason? Yes, it did. But I, I and I know Phil and Jason, either one, have any issue with traditional ed. We're, in fact, huge proponents of traditional ed. I just spent the last you Spearhead. Know, six weeks Help. yeah. helping with the bond issue because of how much I love our local district and how much I believe in it. But I also know that in 2019 and beyond, virtual education is is going to become more mainstream and more widely accepted and more needed. And so we, we will be, we will hopefully there will become an equilibrium between charter schools and traditional ed moving forward. Yeah. And there's, you know, I was looking at some stats right now, currently 33% of all students enrolled in a college or university. It was a study done by the Babson research um, Institute 33% of them are taking some form of online class right now. Right. I mean, it's becoming more and more prominent. I know online school is not a new concept. It's been around for years and years and years. It's becoming more prevalent in the K through 12, you know, age, age groups, but it's, it's very much been a proven model that works well. It's just, it's, you know, it, it, it's like anything else. It's, it's not for everybody, just like, Traditional brick and mortar isn't for everybody, um, but there's definitely a place there for everybody. I just keep going back to more options, especially in today's world. I mean, you you have four or five different phones you can choose from. Sure. You have five or six different streaming services you can choose from. It's just people want options out there yeah. to best fit their family. And and as we know in this world, there's so many different concepts. You know, well, and and in the I'm glad you brought that up in the in the spirit of choice. There are four other virtual charter schools in the Oklahoma marketplace where e-school fits 
in that portfolio of virtual schools, we want to provide a much more rigorous and challenging curriculum path within the virtual school world than what's currently being offered. Yes, you can go to one of the other virtual charters that are in Oklahoma and take a difficult class. You can take an AP class, but eSchool's standards exceed the State Department of Education standards for graduation, for advancement, uh, grade to grade. We believe that there will be, as this model becomes more and more mainstream, that there's going to be a requirement for kids that want to go to college but but also want to go to virtual high school or virtual elementary school. Right now, I think virtual education is mostly viewed for students in crisis and for credit recovery or kids that have been removed for whatever the reason. And that that's true. I think of homeschool kids. Well, that's what I think. Of. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and that's where that's the majority of. Yeah. Currently, that is the majority of virtual. Because mom students. with four or five kids, it just. Or there's busy. a mother out there or a father out there that says, we really want to homeschool our kids. We think it's the right fit. But I'm a little intimidated to take that. Absolutely. On. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's yeah. where the accredited I, certified teacher. Comes Phil's from. heard this story a couple of times, but about, oh, 2000, I don't know, 2002, 2003, um, my wife and I made the decision our two kids that are that are grown and gone out of the home, my wife and I made a decision that we would homeschool them. And at that time, you know, virtual school wasn't wasn't an option. Right, right. And so we went out and dropped sixteen hundred dollars on curriculum and a week later they were back at guess. Yeah. Because we <laughs> the the thought of being responsible for your kids' education is daunting. Um, the thought of coming up with a lesson plan, the, the thought of keeping your kids on track is daunting. And so for us, while we are a an Oklahoma public school and why we we obviously will enroll you know anybody that would like to give our school a try, what we see ourselves as is an option for kids who are high achieving or aspiring to be high achieving. That but also happen to want to be a virtual student. And you've mentioned homeschool a couple of times. And yes, I believe there are a lot of people out there that have the desire to homeschool their children, to control the environment, to control their time schedule, but just can't get past the fact that they will then be solely responsible for the education of their child. And that's where eSchool can come in and take that piece off their plate. And, and the students that eSchool is looking are those high you know high caliber students. Not to put it all in one corner, but right, you get a variety. Well, of that. the bottom line is 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 our curriculum and our requirements for advancement and for graduation will lend itself to students who obviously want to be a high achieving student or are a high achieving student should be attracted to our school. Now, let, let me let me just make one clarifying point here. We're a public school, so anybody who wants to attend can attend our school. Absolutely. Regardless of their academic level, regardless of anything. That's why I was I was gonna say those and those you know, those kids that are engaged that have high that right. love education. Now there's like me and I just keep make myself example. I yeah. just put myself in the eighth grade and I'm an E student and I have the mother yard and mother dish. Is there is there I think the teacher and the parents have to be 
pretty aware to keep them because that's one of the deals you hear a lot uh, is participation, a tennis type deal. You have to, you know, if, if you're engaged, you're, you're you can't wait to open up a book. I mean, there's right. some people who sure. like doing that, not me. Sure. But, but there's others that you have to make sure they do their do their work. Well, and I think I'd give you some real world examples just from my own experience uh, because of my wife. Um, she has a, a young student that's a sophomore and scored a 33 on their ACT. You know, that student um, is actually one of the most challenging to keep them oh, on okay, point okay. simply because of distractions. Yeah. has nothing to do with their ability to learn, has nothing to do with their ability. I mean, they're undistracted all the time. Right, right. So you're right, Chris. Yeah. I mean, you've got to have a really strong relationship between the educator and, and the parent and the student, and there has to be really consistent consistent communication in all three parts for it to work. And that's no different in brick and mortar schools. I mean, no different. Absolutely, no difference. no different. And that is part of the job that does stay the same for a teacher who's coming out of traditional ed into virtual learning. Is is a bigger portion of their job is actually monitoring the amount of time that student is spending mm-hmm. and uh, on on their specific subjects besides being a consultant to the parent besides being a tutor to the student they are really the one driving the bus on making sure that kid is spending adequate time within his curriculum or her curriculum and i'm gonna get to a little bit of fun before i forget that we you know we're all got three this is all yep. got three's page but this is open to anybody in the state of oklahoma and people all 77 counties in miami guyman right. could be a part of e-school as yep. a fully accredited Oklahoma public school, we have no physical boundary within Oklahoma, and and you cannot be approved. The way I understand the statute, you can't be a virtual school in Oklahoma and have a specific geographic area. You have to be open for all 77 counties. Now, you could pick, we're just going to do, say, 8th grade through 12, right. stuff like that. Right. We made a, just a, a decision to go K-12 because we feel that that's, that this made sense for us, but... Um, being a public school, it's come one, come all. Right. You know? and, <laughs> I mean, and, and in the vein of, of the academic Special challenge. Special needs as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and in, the, in the vein of, I don't want it to, to, to be, um, be viewed as, as elitist. We're going to take kids wherever we find them. Sure. But our goal is to push each kid to the edge of their academic ability. Not We don't want to... We don't want to see a kid go backwards when they come to e-school. Whatever your ability is when we find you or when you find us, mm-hmm. we want to push you out to the furthest limit that you're going to be able to perform at. Go back to educator. Is there – you might have said that, I apologize. Is there a set required amount of time that a teacher has to be with the student face-to-face? Because I was just thinking if, no. I, if you have a student in Guymon yeah. and you have a teacher in Durant – yeah. Well, yeah. that's where and you, would, you wouldn't do that, obviously, but but right, but yeah. worst but, case scenario. But, right. as, but as a startup, you know, as a new school, if we only have a handful of educators that are based here centrally, and right. we have a kid in, you know, Guyman. in Guymon or Beaver or wherever in the Panhandle, that's where the technology. I mean, it is a virtual Absolutely. school, Absolutely. and that's where you know a a live chat of some sort, a Google Hangout, a, a Skype, a GoToMeeting, any kind of screen share. With, with video capability or phone capability will work. Um, there is a, to answer your question directly, there is, a, there is a requirement. You have to see your student, quote, face-to-face, right. and that can be either virtually or literally face-to-face, but they have to interact. 
so many times. Okay, um, so it right. doesn't there have are, to be. There are minimums and there are maximums. maximums. Right. Okay. But there's no delineation made Correct. between physical face to face contact or virtual face to face contact. And actually, our legislature has been fairly consistent in their desire that the contact is virtually for the most part. Yeah. I just didn't want to, like a student in Watonga to be discouraged that their teacher sure. isn't gushing. Sure. And they, well, I have to drive there, or, you know, something like well, that. Well, and a lot of this, you know, goes back to also we talked about uh, currently a large percentage of the students that are going down this model are homeschooled kiddos. And, again, the parent um, is or guardian has to be a very active participant in the mm-hmm. education process. So a lot of the all types parents. of things you're talking about is, is, like you said, you'd hope it's this way in all schools to where parents are engaged and they're involved right. with the teachers and they're involved with the, their students' learning. Um, but it's, it's integral in, in our model as well. I mean, you've got to have, you know, interaction. Well, and the only time that the logistics of location would ever even come into play is when you get into testing. And then that's our job as a school and our school board, which we do have a, a school board, is to um, try and find centralized testing locations and things like this. But outside of testing, the 100% of the contact can take place virtually. Okay. Now, the other the other part you hear a lot is the funding part. You guys are funded just like... Guyman High School, just like Perkins High School, just like Guthrie Be, High School. Sure. Being a, a Oklahoma public school, there is a funding formula for each student. What you don't hear in the media right now is the average virtual student, as opposed to a traditional brick-and-mortar student, the virtual schools receive about 57% of the funding that a traditional school student would. An e-school gets 57% of a public school? Is that what you're saying? I believe that's in a traditional Of a traditional okay. public traditional school. Okay. That, gotcha. that's, because yeah. there are things that traditional ed get, such as ad valorem taxes from property taxes, which is a buzzword in Guthrie right now. We're all ad valorem and millage experts. 17 mills, baby. Because of the bond. <laughs> um, production tax. Production tax. There's a few revenue streams that virtual schools do not receive. Um so you don't really hear that a lot. You, you you hear you hear phrases like the virtual schools are taking funding out of the formula. Right. Well, the child is not it, it, virtual schools aren't taking funding out of the formula because that student that money is following that student. Right. So if a student let's and and again, I've said this and I will say this till I die. E school is in no way, shape, or form a response, a reaction, or a um, um, I don't know what a word I'm looking for, a uh, referendum on our local school district. The fact that we're located in Guthrie is sheer coincidence. Right. Okay. But let's say, for example, that I took my son out of Guthrie High School and put him in e-school. Okay. My property tax dollars would stay with Guthrie High School. Right. They would stay with the Guthrie school system. His state funding would follow him to e-school. Okay. But – Whatever gross production tax that he would be, that that would be attributed to him, and and property tax that would be attributed to him, would stay with Guthrie Schools. So yes, being a Oklahoma public school, it is funded similarly to traditional ed. And I, a lot of educators like 
like the e-school type uh, or online virtual school because you don't have, for the most part, you don't have electricity, you don't have buildings, you know, uh, roofs and all that yeah. stuff. You don't have the brick and mortar. And so some of that additional money can maybe go toward teachers, additional pay. Well, I think one thing that's, that's yeah, and one thing that's interesting is, um, and, and, I'm, and I may be off a percentage point here and there, but I believe at least locally – I think I saw a statistic when we were all out supporting the bond issue recently in Guthrie that about eighty is it about eighty seven percent of all monies comes in goes to pay salary. I, I, salary. I saw eighty five. Eighty five. I saw the bond proposal several yeah. times, and I, I think was, that was the eighty four eighty five. Yeah, eighty four eighty five percent. So it's, it's already it's already and, spent. And, yeah, it's already spent. And we're actually, I think, locally, we're actually behind the curve on yeah. that. Yeah. I think yeah. I heard uh, Dr. Simpson say that a lot of districts are around ninety ninety one percent of salaries. Yeah. Right. Wow. So. There's, yeah, you can pay more because there's more money available for the teachers because yeah. you're not worrying about toilet paper and roofs being repaired, insurance premiums, those kind of things. Right. Um, but when it all flushes out because we get 57% of what a traditional brick-and-mortar school does, yeah. the numbers pretty much are yeah. the same. Yeah. Now, I think, you know, there's, there's, and this is a debate right now, but there's, there's always concerns about, um, a lot of this just comes down to where do people fall in the belief of school choice. I mean that 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 is a lot of this. Right. Just you know, you either are are a proponent of a parent's choice to how they're going to educate their child, or you don't agree with that. And I'm not here to debate that. I mean, it's just that's that's reality. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, but but traditionally, um, I know just in, in my wife's example. Uh, you know, her when she went to the virtual model, her income uh, went up drastically uh, from a traditional brick and mortar uh, situation. We're about to tell people how to get more information about if they're interested, ask questions uh, about eSchool. But what's one misconception that you would come clear about online school? I think the one for me that really sticks in my craw that I see and I've I've fallen short of my one of my 2019 resolutions to spend less time on Facebook. But one of the things that <laughs> that that I see thrown around out there is graduation rate. Okay, yeah. Yeah. and I I see I see different people say virtual schools are only graduating at 40 percent. Well, the problem with that is the way that's measured. If let's say for example at eSchool, if we enroll a student who has already spent two years in a brick-and-mortar high school, but let's say they've only amassed enough credits to be a freshman, okay? Mm -hmm. And they enroll in 2019, but their graduating class is supposed to be 2021, okay? If in three years, if in 2022, that student graduates and gets a diploma from eSchool Virtual Charter Academy, they count against eSchool Virtual Charter Academy's graduation rate. So when you look at the real numbers, and I've had an opportunity to see the numbers inside and out. I've been in on the performance reviews from the Department of Educational Quality, the State Department of Education, Statewide Virtual Charter School Board. The real figures in virtual education in Oklahoma, when a student in high school gets enrolled at a virtual charter school, about 83% of them have graduated within four years, mm -hmm. which is tracking pretty close to the average of traditional ed. The problem is only about half of them are on their cohort. That means they graduated in the year that only about half of them actually get that diploma in the year they were supposed to 
via their age. Public schools are fine. Uh, brick and mortar schools are, are yeah. fine. So, so when, pe- when you hear people say, when you hear people say virtual charter schools are only graduating about 37% of their students, that is patently false. Well, we look at get through high school, the numbers came out and it was not, it was horrible. I mean, it was yeah. an F I think it was on, or I can't remember exactly. Well, what whether it, you're it talking was, about traditional ed, virtual ed, whatever, that is something that needs to be addressed. It's unfair if a student transfers into Guthrie High School credit deficient and the good folks at Guthrie High School catch that student up and get that student graduated, if that student graduates a year behind cohort, that should not count yep. against Guthrie High School the same way it shouldn't count in virtual school. But because virtual schools right now are such a political lightning rod, people are throwing that 37, 38, 40% figure out there when in actuality, mm-hmm. 82, 83% of kids graduate from virtual school within four years of enrolling. Yep. Phil, one misconception? Well, I, I, you know, you know me. I've got I cherry picked you on that I, one. You did. Because <laughs> yeah. that's, really, that's really mine too. Okay. But, but, I, would, no, but I, I would say this. I think, and I'm going to go at it from a different angle, Chris. I think there's a misconception about what virtual school really looks like. And I think that for some folks, they, they think it's this new thing. And as I said earlier, it's really not. It's been around for years and years and years. I think one of the positives, what I love about the virtual model, is that one-on-one interaction between a certified educator and that student. You know, it's, you know, my wife, when she first switched over to this model, couple years ago after her first semester said she felt like she had had more opportunity to actually educate kids in that first semester than she had in her previous 12 years of educating simply because and again that's not an indictment on anybody it's reality if you've got a classroom where you have 30 kiddos sitting around you know my wife's a special ed teacher she had over 50 ieps her last year in traditional brick and mortar which was not in guthrie it was outside of guthrie school district but um, that's an impossibility to educate your kids, keep up with paperwork. And she's not the only one that goes through stuff right, like that. Right, right. You know, we've unfortunately put our educators in really, really tough situations in the state of Oklahoma. And, you know, we feel like that, um, obviously we feel like that educators are, are some of the most important folks that we have in society. I mean, they're, they're working with our children for, for yeah, sake. Yeah. So the future, their future. And so, you know, we just want people to understand that it's it's a public school, it's a free public school. Um, we have what we think is uh, some of the best curriculum out there based on results with our vendor that that have happened around the country, and we're excited that if a kiddo is an advanced learner, there's a place for them at eSchool that they will learn at their pace. If a kiddo has maybe some some areas where they need a little bit more help. There's a place for them at eSchool mm-hmm. because we can customize that education program to fit that child. That's a good thing. Free public school. Uh, be sure to put that in there. Right or wrong, it's people who don't know what the the ABCs of it yeah, right. automatically just – it's like when I had a cable provider and I cut the cord and I was like – I always heard about streaming advice. Like, eh, that, that, it, Wi-Fi would drop all the time. You're always quick to – discourage it because you don't know anything about it yeah. but the more and more you learn about it you know the more again it, i always come back to the word options it gives you more options i think it boils down to and you've you've hit on it several times it is it does boil down to choice yeah and we live in a world now i mean where everybody's looking for that customized curated experience mm-hmm. whether 
I mean, think of all the subscription services that are available now yeah. from cosmetics to food to your golf equipment, whatever. They look at you, your tendencies, your desires, your strengths, your weaknesses, and they curate a monthly experience. You get that birch box in the mail. Mm-hmm. I believe that is where education is moving mm-hmm. within the standards that the state sets forth. What we would like to see is our educators get with their individual student and curate that experience. So on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, year-to-year basis, that student is getting the experience that best fits them and their family. And I think you know, when we first sat down and started discussing this almost, gosh, what, year and a half ago? Uh, October 2017 Be two years. is where we started this odyssey. Yeah, <laughs> and it has been a journey. It has been a but, journey. Um, but I think one of the first things that came up, Chris, was that our number one concern was we wanted to create a learning environment that was great for kids. Number two, very close behind number two, was create an opportunity where teachers could earn what we think is what's what they should earn. You know, I, I think there's, you know, t- teachers need to be compensated better than they are right now. And that, and again, this is not anybody's fault. It's not the school local school boards. Whether you're talking about. Edmond, Piedmont, Guthrie, well, if you Stillwater. Look at the, it, if you look at the strikes in the, yeah. in the country, you're talking everywhere from L.A. to Appalachia. Yeah. I mean, this is a national epidemic. It's yeah. a problem. And we've, so we've, you know, we want to create a, a, a culture within our school that, that educators feel appreciated, they mm-hmm. feel rewarded, and they have, to be quite frank, they have control of how they go about teaching those kiddos. Enrolling now? Uh, enrollment is open um, you can go to eschoolok.com. Everything you need to know is on there. The website is actually being populated more and more every day with more information. It gives a brief overview of what your day would look like if you were a student there. It gives our entire course catalog is there on the website. Contact information is on the website. Um, we look forward to any and all questions, comments, anything that we can, anything that we can do to help people make a decision that best fits their kid. That's what we're here for. Yeah. That's awesome. We've gone 45 minutes in a serious conversation. I don't it's like about, this. about time to end this. And uh... somebody's got to tell a joke <laughs> soon. <laughs> but uh, hey, I appreciate you guys stopping by and, and letting people know what's what's going on because you know there's a lot of stuff out there. Again, probably didn't word it right, but you know if you don't know something. Sometimes your first thing is to go against it's it because it's human nature. Yeah, it's, we it's all do it. Right? Right. We all do it, and you yeah. want rid of it. Yeah. yeah. What I want people to understand, if anybody, you know, those that are listening to this, is that I think people would say, "Well, what do Robbins and Nichols know? They're not educators. No, we are not educators. We will right. not be educating your children. That ought to make everybody <laughs> feel a lot better. Feel everybody a lot so. better. Um, <laughs> there is no. This isn't something that we own. This is simply something that we founded. We then put together a board of volunteers to have a school board. We've hired an excellent uh, superintendent of school or head of school, I think is actually what we're called, an excellent assistant head of school, both with Guthrie Ties, who we're excited to, to be working with. From here on, we're just in a role of guidance. Um, we're um, basically cheerleaders for this school now. Our part, we are basically handing the baton now to our educators. Yep. And advocating and cheerleading for this school. Who know students, who know schools, who know, who know curriculum, who know who funding, know who knows all, all of that. Yeah. All yeah. of it. We, I have never, I res, my level of respect for administration <laughs> and educators 
is higher today than it's ever been, yep. and it was already pretty high. So that's our role moving forward is simply to advocate for eSchool. Absolutely. Seth, Phil, appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Seth Robbins, Phil Nichols, appreciate you listening to this podcast on Gather News Page. Mm-hmm.